Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to chapter 19, verse 10. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. After they have flogged him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. But they understood nothing about all these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard a crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me see again. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it praised God. He entered into Jericho and was passing through it. A man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All those who saw it began to grumble and said, he's gone to be a guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Good morning, everybody. Since the... Uh beginning of uh, Brexit, I've been amazed by how British-centric our ad TV adverts have become. Even, the, even recently, the German company Aldi is telling us to buy their British lamb or Scotch salmon for Easter. The discussion around the plethora of union flags on government podiums and, minister, and ministers' offices, even the humble bread, butter and bacon are now wrapped in red, white and blue. There seems to be a competition for Britishness. 
Then there is the ownership of grief, mourning and injustice. There was a time when people would stand up and say, this is terrible, we are sorry and take practical action. Now it seems we have to own the grief, the pain and identify with every cause or you're not part of the solution. I'm concerned that some of the anger, despair and vitriol voiced is fueled by frustration and isolation that we are feeling as individuals locked down, locked down by the pandemic and not being able to find the normal relief and comfort we have in face-to-face -face conversations and community involvement. As I prepared for this morning's message, I was beside myself with glee at the thought of a Sunday school song from my childhood. You've got it, Zacchaeus was a very little man. I bet you're singing it now. I'll give you a few seconds to remember it. But then calling to mind Simon's warning of two weeks ago about not looking at familiar stories with gilded eyes of memory or the baggage of editorials. So I am trying to press refresh in the hope that what appears on the page is something that reflects the passage as it is placed before us by Luke for a modern inclusive community who are provoking faith. So Luke has us with Jesus traveling along the road to Jerusalem via Jericho, a normal route in a normal year, traveling with Jesus, although it's not normal because Jesus has just shared with his friends the knowledge of the destruction and the suffering that awaits him in Jerusalem. In my mind, I'm imagining a sign on the road, Jerusalem, 28 kilometers, Jericho, three. The disciples thinking, why are we going this way? But for Jesus, the way to Jerusalem lies via Jericho, as it did for the people of Israel after leaving Egypt, which by the way, Jericho was the home of his several times great-grandmother, Rahab. Yes, that's the one you remember, according to Matthew's Gospel. The town lay before them was a place of two hearts, the new Roman town and a more historic Jewish Jericho. It had become a city where the Levitical priests lived. It was here we find a blind man and a short man. If they were Levites, they would have been excluded from their calling to serve in the temple as they were not perfect or pure. One man begging, the other one has taken up the role as a tax collector. Zacchaeus is good at his job because he's been promoted to a chief tax collector. Both men from the wrong side of the tracks as far as the community is concerned, both sinners in the community's eyes, both feeling the isolation of their situation. Interesting that the other gospels, the blind, in the other gospels, the blind man is named and called Bartimaeus, but here he remains unnamed. And the story of Zacchaeus is only found in Luke. And the translation of his name means pure. Is this a posthumous name or a misnomer by his parents? Jericho was a large developed town. It was a fertile place where date palms and roses grew according to Josephus. And the town on the main route, it was wealthy. Zacchaeus was well placed to grow rich and the blind man to find arms. 
The blind man calls, then yells for Jesus' attention. He is told to quiet down because he attaches to Jesus the title Son of David, a name that would both infuriate the religious leaders and the Romans. Jesus makes no attempt to challenge his assertion. In this, is the messianic secret revealed here? Jesus responds to his cry. He calls the blind man and heals him. He declares to the blind man that his faith has healed him. The restoration of sight brings worship and praise to God. The community are given an expression of God's love and compassion to the outcast from faith and community. On entering the town, we meet Zacchaeus, who is trying to get a view of Jesus. He excluded from the crowd because he works for the Romans. He's a tax collector. He's short. Zacchaeus commits to seeing this Jesus by climbing the tree. Jesus sees him and not only stops to talk to him, but shock horror, requests to stay at his house. This disapproving crowd begins to chanter and chatter. Jesus has gone to a sinner's house. around the table. Jesus had befriended a man who was rejected by his community. This act brought a revelation to Zacchaeus that led to change of heart from selfish to thoughtful. In face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus, Zacchaeus has a spotlight shed on his situation, his position, and his wealth. Here's where I was challenged. I'd always seen Zacchaeus as a money-grabbing, tax-inflating cheat. That's baggage. The passage seems to refer to him here, yes, as a rich man, and yes, we know he was a tax collector and is unpopular, but when Zacchaeus uses the word, if I have cheated anyone, which 90% of the biblical translations uses the word if, so it sounds to me that he was not a deliberate thief, and willing to make reparation for overtaxing. Then we hear, then eventually we hear Jesus taking on his own lips the title of Son of Man, who has come to seek and to save that which were lost. Why did Luke put, write these passages and put them together? These are, yes, inspirational stories of faith, of the individual, but also a high concept messianic text. The first title, Son of David, given by a blind man. According to the genealogy in both Luke and Matthew, Jesus was a contender. Remember Rahab, who used to live in Jericho? She was the mother of Boaz, who was the grandfather of Jesse, the great-grandfather of David. In this title, used widely in the Gospels, Jesus ever seemed to decline the assumption about himself. Actually, in a few days, or in the next 20 verses of Luke, Jesus enters Jerusalem. Do you remember the words the crowd called? Although when Jesus was referring to himself, he prefers the second title, Son of Man, denoting his frailty and weakness which because of, East, uh, because of the Easter events has in Christian theology been elevated to the heights of Godhead. 
Passages of scripture, I was taught, should always lead us to Jesus and make a difference to our life of faith. How do these passages lead us to think about Jesus? The two men saw two different aspects of Christ's character. One power and authority, the other love and mercy. This caused one of them to declare, the other to act. One to pronounce, the other to participate. A little simplistic, but I am preaching. So how do we as a church, who are wanting to pro provoke faith in ourselves, in each other, and in the world, find the right balance of declaration and participation that is not jing jingoistic, but based on the example and model of Jesus? This week, I saw a post on Facebook and reposted it, and it read like this. This year, I want to be more like Jesus. Hang out with sinners. Upset religious people. Tell stories that make people think. Choose unpopular friends. Be kind, loving, and merciful. Take naps on a boat. Sadly, for most of us, including me, the nap on the boat sounds the easiest. Okay. Um, <clears throat> as I was the reader this morning, I got over my um, remembering Zacchaeus as a chorus yesterday when I was preparing the reading. Uh, so putting that to one side, I noticed um, Nigel talked about us the way that life has moved and one of you, you know, Union Jacks and, and um, crowds. One of the other things that's happened recently is that we, we have a sort of culture of celebrity. And just listening to the story about the beggar, uh, or, or the, rather the, the blind beggar, when, he, when he's healed, he doesn't say, oh, thank you, Jesus, you're a wonderful person. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He glorifies God. And the fact that Jesus could do something really life-changing, but actually bring out from that person um, praise to God, not praise to the person standing in front of him, was, an in, I, I, was, was something which struck me as I, as I read it. So that contrast to the sort of celebrity status that we seem to approach nowadays, when anything that happens, we, we have to rail about the person who said it, and news is always full of somebody who said something or did something. Thank you, Keith. That's um, interesting. Um, since you're only looking at it, I suppose, um, because I guess I always thought um, that was also partly to do with the times in which they lived in, um, whether that had an effect on how how people would perceive that type of um, that type of healing. Um, does anyone else have any thoughts that they want to? Maybe, um, on very, the, very briefly. Oh, I've had two people speaking at once. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say, um, on the two readings and the sermonette, what I got from it was um, that when we are all imperfect, but when someone shows 
um, um, a really bad side to them, we tend to hold on to it. And really, we should just focus on ourselves and how we can and how we can help them, how we can um, accept them and um, heal them and forgive them and love them. Um, so those were the main topics that I got from the two readings. Yeah, I think that's really true. And it's quite interesting how there's a contrast between, um, I guess, the status of Zacchaeus and the status of the blind man who both were, but they were both rejected by society, even though one was like on top and really rich and, you know, should have had it all. And the other one was not. But like you said, Nick, with Jesus kind of reached out to those people where they were and um, didn't, even if they were kind of, you know, not the kind of people that we would, you know, like or think they're doing the right thing. They kind of still did that. And I think right now, especially when we're locked down and we see a lot of things going on online, it's very easy for us to to judge and to to take that and just um, create a story that another person is so evil um, because it's just easier for us to do that when really we should just um, accept them and understand we can change. Yeah, I think that's really true. It's very easy to make those snap judgments about people, isn't it? Especially, like you said, online. Tommaso, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I think this is also a story uh, which in a way is universal because it speaks of you know, our sense of inadequacy and, if you like, inferiority complex we, we experience and many of us experience in many different realms and situations and how, in a sense, only, only faith can liberate us from that sense of, uh, you know, um, imperfection and, 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 and deep uh, flaw that we might have, um, it, it's, it's, it's worth remembering that still today, uh, a lot of people, either because of their social status or because of their physical appearance, are, in a sense, discriminated or not fairly treated. And um, it's, it's worth thinking from time to time how this uh, social condition affects also their ability to experience faith and um, enjoy life. It's, it's, it's something that sometimes we, we, we may tend to forget, but it's much more widespread than, than I believe we, we tend to think. And, 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 and then in, in this particular story, we can see how uh, Jesus can really uh, uh, you know, free uh, people, not very much from their you know, physical condition alone, but from their spiritual and psychological weakness that stems from the lack of recognition by society. So would you say it's um, them who need the kind of salvation or do you think it's maybe more the society that needs it or both? I don't know. I mean, I think I think society, of course, uh, in a sense, must change, and and we we try to 
we should try to build better societies, more inclusive society, if you like. But at the same time, I think this is also this is also a story of, in a sense, individual liberation and emancipation from the judgment that the majority of people sometimes pass on us. And and uh, and again, this of course has wider social repercussions. I mean, uh, Martin Luther King used to uh, talk about this particular story in order to. Uh, tell his congregation how important it was for African-Americans to overcome that sense of, you know, social inferiority complex that was crippling the, 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 the black community in the United States in the 1950s and 60s. The idea that, in a sense, they were bound to remain excluded, that they were bound to remain marginal and, 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 and subject to discrimination, that they could do nothing in order to challenge that. And, and he, he relied on, on this particular part of the scripture in order to send a completely different message, a transformative message. Thank you. I think that's a really interesting context as to bring it into more, obviously not more current context and we can see that now as well. Sometimes it's hard to put stories which happened a very long time ago in a different country, a different culture. How does that possibly relate to things going on now? Um, but it really does, as you said, and as others in the panel have said. I'm just going to read a few of the comments in the chat. Um, this is a few quite interesting ones. So Jeff says, um, when we feel frustrated and not being able to respond to all the calls on us, we need to remember that Jesus only responded to one man at the pool of Bethesda, which I probably pronounced really badly. Um, I think that's quite that's quite nice thing to think. Sometimes we can get um, disheartened by all the so much need in the world. Um, and as Nigel says, individuals are important to Jesus. Um, is it Demet says, I love the fact that the blind man was able to see Jesus' true identity and fascinating to consider what salvation means in the story of Zacchaeus. And I think that's quite interesting because we discussed it perhaps more in terms of like liberation and freedom from the things that people put on us rather than in the traditional sense of salvation. Um, it's Oh yeah, an interesting thing from Micah. Um, I think that in my experience, whenever something truly awful happens by someone like me or who's, whose role I'm supposed to respect, respect, there is a tendency to blame the victim. The blind man is blind, therefore God did it, and therefore the blind man is blind is bad. But Jesus rejects that logic. It is not the blind man's fault, but society's fault, resisting his equality with all of us. Only the man who Jesus makes as equal is able to see Christ's true identity. That's quite, I think that's quite profound, actually. Quite interesting. Um, there was one thing that Nigel said that I wanted to just quickly touch on. Um, he discussed um, the two aspects of Christ's character, power and authority and love and mercy, and our, our need to find a balance between declaration and participation. Um, I thought that was quite interesting, um, the sense that sometimes as Christians, we struggle to find the, the balance between doing things to help people and saying things about faith 
and I wonder if anyone had any thoughts on that. Yes, um, I found that quite interesting as well. And especially as a Christian, that so much is happening all the time and you just don't even know what, what to focus on because every single day something is, something is happening in the world. Um, and then when you, when you do focus on something and you might um, speak on it or um, I sometimes think, do I actually care about this? Do I really... Um, connect with um, this situation or am I doing this because it is or because everyone else is doing it or yeah so I found that quite interesting I think we all just have a specific path a path and it's quite hard to know what to focus on at times very true especially with the news bandwagon so there'll be an issue in the news and they'll be like oh no we've got to focus on this and then suddenly there'll be another one and then everyone will forget about the one that previously happened even if it's still going on and still just as important and I think what you said about finding your path is actually really key in that anyone else got any other kind of concluding thoughts Keith did you want to add anything I suppose I could add that um, at the moment in a pandemic and in the world that we live in, it is much easier to declare something. Uh, if something goes wrong, we can resort to social media and words can rush around the globe saying what we think about it. But it's much more difficult to do something about it. Uh, and I think you know, it's, a, it's a real struggle in, in our lives and in our minds as to how we practically do things at the moment. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, we have to sort of resist the temptation to, to spout off at, at every tragic cause. Yeah, though I would say that sometimes um, speaking is a way of acting. Yeah. Um, so, for example, if something has been silenced or if people have been silenced, sometimes the act of speaking can be an act of protest and an act of... I mean, it's, it's important, like you say, it doesn't end there, but it can can still be quite powerful. Um, I'm aware that it's coming up to about 22, so I think we'll bring the discussion to conclusion there. But if anyone has any final thoughts, you're very welcome to continue to add them to the chat. And thank you to everyone who has done that and who has commented on Facebook. Unfortunately, I don't have the Facebook up there, but if anyone wants to drop any of those in the chat um, that will be um, fantastic so thank you very much to all our panelists and Nigel also for bringing that sermonette which has provoked so many interesting thoughts thank you very much let us pray great God of the whole earth we thank you this morning for your generous blessings for your fortifying presence and for your message of hope that lifts us all as we would be lost without the strength and sense of purpose that come from you. We would be blind without the light that shines from your everlasting words. We would be alone without the inner peace and healing 
springing out of your warm embrace. We bring before you this morning our aspirations, our hopes, and our pain. For we know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, as in you we find rest for our souls and the wholeness we cannot experience anywhere else. May we learn to enjoy the beauty of the creation, transcending boundaries, overcoming prejudices, without being dragged down by our sins and our flaws up to the point of belittling you and your deeds. Loving God, we pray for those exposed to hatred and deprivation, often due to our inability to build better, more human, less unfair societies, for succumbing to greed and for making a fetish out of material prosperity. May we find new ways to mobilize resources, energies, and talents to serve those who are in need, for they are the ones to be invited to our banquets. Loving God, we pray for those who suffer from countless forms of exclusion, discrimination, and marginalization, some of which we are unaware of, even when these surround us, happen in broad daylight. And from time to time, we too contribute, directly or indirectly, to keeping them in place. May we realize we can do our bit to challenge injustice whenever it creeps into our lives, individually as well as collectively. Loving God, we pray for those who have been crippled economically, physically, but also mentally during this upsetting and cruel year, during which many all around the world have died and many more have been pushed to the brink of collapse. May we keep our faith and our balance, no matter how strained we are, while humankind continues fighting the pandemic, without surrendering to the gripping fear and gloom that millions of people went through in 2020. Loving God, we finally pray for ourselves. As Palm Sunday approaches, may we be freed from the burdens that have been placed upon us and from the evils that beset us, as you are far mightier than these. And yours is the power to turn Good Friday into Easter. Amen. And I'll now just draw us service to an end um, with a blessing. May the blessing of Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Amen. <laughs>